0: taken from the New Living Testament, John chapter 17. We're going to read the first 13 verses and then we'll read the second half later on. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. And then Jesus prays for his disciples I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you. And you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world. But I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy." continue reading from verse 14. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them, so they can be made holy by your truth. And then Jesus prayed for all believers. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you love me even before the world began. O oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them. And I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them. And I will be in them. Amen.
1: And I've actually wanted to give a word for a long, long time. But not something particular that was burning in me. I just thought perhaps I should. And then I have to say that sometimes I think, well, some of my views probably would upset a lot of you. And I remember... Uh, <laughs> uh, One of the guys who came from the Bible college, uh, Glenn, I forget his name, and he he preached something and he was actually looking under under the the chairs and he says, are you wondering what I'm looking at? I'm looking for rotten fruit and stones because I'm going to say something that might upset you. But trust me, I'm not going to upset you or take a long time. No more than an hour and a half. (laughs) Be, be, Be fine. Uh, right. So John, John 17, it's, uh, it is one of my I think and it's hard to say you've got a favourite thing in the, in the Word of God, but John seventeen has spoken to me again and again and again and again, and it, it's just a picture that I believe Jesus humbled Himself in a way that He showed us an in intimacy that none of us would do that. Sometimes people say sometimes people don't even like praying aloud. They say prayers are so intimate, they're you and God. Yeah, God chose to put that prayer down in his word, and I believe it's his word that we can share, we can eavesdrop on Jesus speaking to his father. I think that in itself is mind-blowing. It's not like when G- when the disciples said teach us to pray. And that was almost a format, wasn't it, really? Jesus was given a very simple format to say, this is how you should pray. I believe John 17 is totally different. Nothing like that. We are, we are allowed to just peek behind the veil at the intimacy of God and His Son. Right, I'll, I'll try not to, uh, uh, go off (coughs) on a tangent which were very difficult to me because I think basically I've got a heart of an evangelist I just want to preach the gospel so whatever I'm talking about I just want to tell people that Jesus loves them and he came to die for them and he really does love them and if you'll only give your heart to him he will make a difference in your life I don't know could you put that the, the the verse up that I uh I chose before Marilyn yeah this is another one and again it's all based around the word glory and this is just mind-blowing he is that's Jesus the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature I mean if we want a picture of God we say we cannot see God if we did we'd die If we looked upon the Father, Moses couldn't look upon the Father. He had to be squeezed into a cleft of a rock and see God's back. He could not look at God and live. Our only way of doing this is to see Jesus, to see God in Jesus. And sometimes I think we labour on the humanity of Jesus and perhaps not enough On the divinity. It's easier, easier for us to understand human nature. Or not even human nature, but the human form. What Jesus was tempted with. Like we are. Glory. What a weird word. What a difficult word. I thought, I thought I was going to be able to give a word on the word glory. Not a chance. I don't even understand it. I genuinely don't understand it. Glory, St Augustine said, uh, renders it as clara notita cum laude, which is brilliant celebrity with praise. And then I stopped, I thought, forget it. that's It's too hard for me, though. Um, yeah, without doubt, it's the most intimate conversation that Jesus had with his father in the whole of the Bible. It's, uh, in my opinion... There's nothing in scripture quite like it. And the amazing thing is it is f- for us, for you as an individual. I remember years ago, listening to the gospel being preached in Sharon Church, and I think one of the things that that got to me, that, that entered me, was deep down in my soul, my spirit, my body, was that Jesus, God, was talking to me. He wasn't just talking to the congregation. He was talking to the congregation. He's talking to the world. But that word was for me. When I walked to the front of a church to give my heart to Jesus because I knew that I'd come short of of what he expected of me, it was me. Not the sins of my fathers. Not the sins of Adam and Eve. Not the corporate sins of a world. It was for my sin, my Whatever you want to use that word. I know it's now become old-fashioned sin. We don't like using it. I was only reading it in the Evangelical Alliances magazine idea that uh, it's so difficult to t- to speak to a world who doesn't e- are not even aware of the meanings of some of the things we find so everyday and mundane. We've got to use new language. And I think it's a shame, but hey, if it's real, it's real. I'm very dry. <clears throat> And it's like a farewell prayer of Jesus. If you look where that's where it's placed in John's Gospel, he's finished everything. He's done the preaching. He's 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 healed people. He's people have been raised from the dead. He's done the work, and it's just before he goes to the garden. It's just before the trial it's just before the crucifixion and the resurrection it's his last really testament it's the last word we get it's his last teaching in a sense in an earthly sense it's it's quite different and if i just get over that today that that point that if you were to go yourselves and read read, read this chapter i believe it will really speak To you deep inside it is it's so intimate and I think it's the intimacy of it that creates that intimacy for us Um, I'll I'll try and go through it uh, in three sections Uh, verses one to six we need to understand that what we read is for our benefit I've got I've already mentioned this that Jesus spoke the words aloud somebody heard somebody wrote this down John, I don't know, I really don't. I'm not going into that, the uh, the historicity or the correctness of the theology and the doctrine and the hermeneutics and the exegesis. I love those things, I read them, but I really think they're a little bit, you know, I don't get them. But it, it's, it's left as a word that's God's word, God's divine living word for us. To read and to encourage us, to benefit us, to do us good, and it's not because God needed to hear it. If you think about that, think about what God, what Jesus shared with God. It says, "I forget. I, I don't really need to look at it because it's a, it's burnt into my heart." It says, "The glory that we shared before the world began." Just think about that one sentence. Jesus was with God before this world. This universe was in existence. And he had perfect harmony, perfect love, perfect dwelling, perfect intimacy with the Father. And again, I don't understand the Trinity. I've always said to people a bit uh, glibly, if somebody came up to me and said, I can can tell you all what the Trinity is about, I wouldn't believe them. Because I think they'd be making it up. I think there are certain things in the word of God that are mysteries. And sometimes we strain to think, oh I want to understand that, I want to understand that, why don't I? Chill out, (laughs) you're not going to understand it. God is not understandable. If he was understandable, he wouldn't be God. If you could pigeonhole God or Jesus, he would no longer be God. You would be imagining something of your own creation. God made in man's image i'm not saying it's a blasphemy but it's certainly not right we are made in god's image it's just the other way around and sometimes we want to we want to tip it on its head just so we feel comfortable it's a frightening thing it says in scripture it's a fearful thing a terrifying thing to come into the presence of a holy god of the holy god It is amazing and sometimes I just want to encourage you this morning to, to like, don't be frightened. Come before God face to face and be bold because it will do you some good. It may frighten you. It may upset you. It may challenge you. It may make you kind of squirm a bit. It certainly does me. When I come before God, when I really read the word of God and I pray about it, I feel convicted. I don't feel condemned because Jesus has done that work for me. There is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. There's none. We are not condemned this morning. Jesus has done that. But we can be a little bit convicted if our lives don't kind of match up to what we're saying we do. And it's so easy. Certainly for myself, I do like talking about Jesus. I talk to Jesus, about Jesus, to my colleagues all the time. And they are waiting, I can just tell, they're actually there, waiting for me to swear, or to do something. And somebody, after working there for two and a half years, went, oh, I heard you swear then Gary, I said I didn't, I said flipping. But they were just, and I'm thinking, wow, how, how amazing, but they were, you did, you did, you did, you did. The, the, there's things that we're not even aware that we do because we are who we are that God has done something done a work inside us he's transformed us we are not of this world it, it says so in here it says so in Jesus's prayer they're not of this world going to we're going to stay in this world and we've got to we've got a job to do and that job is to tell people the good news about Jesus not to beat people up, not to judge them. We've no right to judge anybody. We can't help it. Sometimes we have to make judgments, but we shouldn't be judgmental in nature. God is a judge, and I've heard people say, "Oh, how judgmental is that?" Well, you can't call God judgmental. God does judges. He will judges, but he's not judgmental. He hasn't got a spirit of judgmentalism, if that's the right word. He doesn't go around pointing the finger and squashing us and cowing us. He actually embraces us, lifts us up, loves us and protects us. It's just amazing. Jesus cries out to the Father and in doing so informs us of the closeness he has with the Father. And has had for all eternity. He also tells us that it's finished. It's completed. It's completed. He's done that work. It is finished. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, it's finished. It's done. I believe I read a book uh, years, years and years ago uh, that I was given when I was in the police. I was asked to do um, a uh, book review. And it, I think it was just to see how you were academically and whether you could speak in front of a, a group of people. And believe it or not, they gave me C.S. Lewis's um, out of a Silent Planet. It's one of the cosmic trilogies that C.S. Lewis wrote. And there's a verse in there, there's a, there's a paragraph in there, a section, where this guy is fighting another guy, another man, on a distant planet that actually is the devil. And as he's fighting with this man, he cries out at the top of his voice, Eli, Eli, Lababak, Safadai. And as he hears this, he stops and he says, "His blood runs cold. It frightens the life out of him." And he thinks, "What? What on earth is that?" Oh, and it was like an animalistic scream as he's screaming out this this thing, this statement in Hebrew. And it he just it just phases him. He doesn't know what's going on. Then he realizes that's what the devil heard, and has tormented the devil for the last two thousand years. The devil lost. When Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was cut off from the Father. That intimacy that I'm explaining to you now, that prayer on the cross at a point in time, that intimacy was severed. And Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And at that point, I believe, because I believe what C.S. Lewis says, <laughs> although hey, it's not the Bible, but some people can, but are very wise. He says, he believes, that's when the devil knew it was finished for him. It was finished. The work Jesus came to do was finished, completed. It is complete. It's perfected. Hallelujah. It, it, it is, it's just, I can't help but be excited when... When 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 I see my colleagues uh, watching football, hey, there's nothing wrong with football. Um, But the different things people get excited about. And I, I am absolutely enthused and excited about the gospel, the gospel message, Christianity, Christian history. The whole gamut to me means life. It is part of my life. LICC teach a core principle of the sacred and secular divide. There isn't one. Whatever's holy, whatever's right, whatever's Christian, whatever should be in our everyday every movements, our everyday thinking. We make it church and the world. No, it's not Not for us. We should be in the Lord, in Jesus. As he says in this chapter, I am in you, Father, and they will be in us. That's why when Jesus said, I'm going away now, this whole prayer, again, was for Jesus. To leave. He knew he'd got to leave his disciples. But he wasn't leaving them alone. He sent the comforter. I promise you. Don't do anything. In fact, he tells them, he instructs them. Don't do anything. Go back to Galilee and wait. And wait for what? Wait for the comforter. Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. So we can actually join. I hope this is right. Maybe theologically up the wall. But join. In the glory, that that sharing in that power that Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit had before the world began. We can do things out of time, trust me. When I became a Christian, I entered eternity. I'm still going to die, my body's going to die. I unfortunately have to be in this world. Talk about, uh, as as an aside here... um, I had a a gout problem a few weeks ago and a a recurrence of something that I've got that I'd had prayed for and I thought it was gone, but I had this gout problem. Soon as I started doing this word yesterday, I was on my knees on the floor, sweating, rocking in pain. I thought, this is strange. Is is there something that doesn't want me to do this or is it just coincidence? And I'm not saying it is. It could be. It, 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 it's irrelevant. But I was going to do it anyway, and that did that almost meant nothing. The pain was real, but I can I can deal with it in God. There's so many things we can deal with in God. There's something else I forgot to tell you as well. Yeah, just to let you know that that it isn't just me. I got. A, and I know. I don't think even Peter Fold knew that I was going to do. If he did, it's it's brilliant. But he sent he sent me this uh, yesterday. Hi, Gary. I was praying this morning and felt that I should say, the word which you are wrestling with, will produce God's purposes. Just trust and rest in Him. God bless Peter. Hallelujah. I mean, I just thought, <laughs> God knows. God, God knows our needs and God isn't doing me kind of cosseting me and doing me a favour, a special favour. God is looking after us. If, I've, if I'm true to what I prayed, I prayed, Lord glorify yourself in what I can say this morning and how Beryl leads the meeting and how we sing our praises and I believe God's answered me because I believe we praised the Lord this morning what fantastic hymns, well done Michael <laughs> they're all my favourites but I know that my taste is very similar to Michael's a bit more old fashioned but uh, I just think they are good and Beryl said you, 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 well, we don't need to preach we don't need anything some of the hymns, some of Wesley's hymns and Isaac Watts's hymns and John Bunyan's hymns just read the hymn you don't need a sermon just read one of those properly that'll tell you everything you need to know about God he is quite amazing. And he does look after us. And it is in the everyday. It isn't just um, just church. It isn't just even Bible studies or anything. It, God is with us, for us, in our lives, indwelling by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And we can share in that glory. I've put here, verses 13 to 19, now comes the hard bit. He told them things so they would be filled with joy. And His word is joy. I believe we should be joyous. I believe we should desire God and delight in God. He should be our joy. And He says we can share His joy. And He joys in us. That, another one. I just thought, I can, I can also, I can grieve the Holy Spirit, but I can also bring God joy. I can bring the the creator of this universe joy. What a privilege. And actually, it's a privilege, but it's also, wow, it's a responsibility. I, I should give God joy. And the only way I can give God joy is allowing the Holy Spirit to fill me, Jesus to direct me, and me to become more like him. John the Baptist, the greatest person ever born of woman, Jesus says, and he says, he who is in the kingdom of God will be greater than he. And John, all John said is, I will decrease as he will increase. God, John knew his place. I want to get less and less and less and less and less. And Jesus has become more and more and more and more and more. That's not to say that he, he wants us not to have personalities. He just wants us to be filled with him. Each of you is unique, loved by God and precious. There is nobody less precious or more precious. We are precious to God. And God loves you with an intensity and a love that is beyond, truly beyond description. If we could understand what it cost the father to turn his face from his son. I believe the sin that was taken on Jesus wasn't written off. It was absorbed by Jesus. Jesus felt every single thing and dealt with it. It wasn't just written off. It wasn't somebody ticking off a list and saying, right, that's done. Totally different. Now, the father who loved his son and spent his eternity with his son and will spend eternity with his son, to do that means that he must love us with a kind of love that is almost alien to us. And I believe if we really understood how much he loves us, we would change. I think bit by bit, God is changing me. It's slow because I'm so stubborn. (laughs) I like the things in the world. I like my own... I'm selfish. I'm selfish and soft. But God slowly is changing me. He's making me into more what he wants me to be. And every... So often I can look back and I think, thank you, Father, thank you, Lord, thank you, Jesus, for making me like that. I am changed. I am not the same. I can't remember the last time I got angry, properly angry, uh, say, driving a car or anything. I just don't do it. And it's not because I've suddenly developed this five-point theory of following some book, some Christian book or whatever, or a worldly book that's made me cool. It's because I've drawn close to Jesus. I've drawn close to God. I read his word. I read it properly, if I can say that. I read it. I want to read it. Yeah, bad word. I can't can't think of another word. I read it in the spirit. And and it's not the how much you read. I think we should read a fair bit. But it's how you read it. It's reading it, praying about it and reading it and doing it regularly. We do need to do it regularly. You can't just pick the Bible up and think, oh, I'll read it next week. You, you can't do that. You cannot do that. It's like saying, oh, I'm not going to eat um, for a few weeks, I think. No. I won't eat. You'll soon uh, realise that you can't do that. And neither can we do with the word of God. Sorry, I'm going off again. Right, the hard bit. So the film is a word. Uh, the word, the world is going to hate them. It's a given. Jesus is the antithesis. Of this world system. I'm not saying everything in the world is bad. Far from it. It's God's creation. But there is there is a world system. A power in this world that, that hates God. Hates Christians. Hates the disciples. They're not going to be taken out of the world. But protected from the evil one. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word. Which is the truth by the power of god's name when i said before there are mysteries which i do not understand that's one of them i don't get it The power of his word you mean like some incantation if i said jesus 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 enough times things are going to happen i don't think i don't think it's that but i don't know the power of his word i don't get it i do know And I've experienced this, that when I've prayed, and I've prayed, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, just saying that, I don't know what it is, but things seem to have happened. Prayers seem to have been answered. I feel better saying it, in the name of Jesus, in his name. Now, we can't glibly just use it. There's a story somewhere about, um, with the brothers of Sceva, or whatever, they tried to use Jesus' name and it really backfired on them. They wanted power just for their own ends. And it says that a demon-possessed man nearly ripped them to shreds and they all ran off naked. So you can't come to it glibly. You've got to know what you, you're doing. You've got to mean it. It's your heart. It's not even being clever. You don't have to go to Bible college and things like that. You have to just mean it in your heart. Mean what, what, what you're saying, what you're doing. And when I said that now comes the hard bit, it's because it's for us. It is for us. These, the, this prayer was for those who will believe from what the disciples have left as a, as a written record. You've got to understand that when, when Paul and John and Luke and Matthew and Timothy, when all these things were being written and Titus and all these books were being written, they didn't have the Bible they didn't go and copy a bit of here and a bit of, they didn't have it they had the old testament that's why isaiah is mentioned so much when it mentions jesus it mentions isaiah because see, there's so many prophecies that isaiah was prophesying the coming of the messiah but they didn't have it it's specifically for us and it's personal and that makes it hard i think when we know it's right, is it up close and personal this is an up close and personal prayer and it includes you. And that can sometimes make us feel a bit uncomfortable. Maybe we're not. And maybe we're, 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 there are things going on in our lives that are, we're finding really difficult. We can't deal with. There are uh, a multitude of things. And when we draw close to God in this personal way, it can make us feel uncomfortable. But trust me, it can also give you such freedom, such liberty, such joy... By letting Jesus do it. Let Jesus do what only Jesus can do. Don't try and do what he can do. You can bang your head against a brick wall by, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that, I, I feel an urge to do this. Let Jesus do it. He, he wants you to work, he wants you to read, he wants you to study, he wants you to do everything. And if you're in a, a secular job, he wants you to be in your secular job. My daughter at the moment is torn between wanting to leave Becoming a teacher and do something for the Lord full time. And I've tried to encourage you so many times with this sacred and secular divide bit. That God loves her and uses her just as much where she is. In what she's doing, in a teaching job, in the position she's got in church. She doesn't have to go to be a missionary. She might, do, she might do, but sometimes we can get upset thinking God's not using us. He uses you. If you allow him to use you in in everyday life, I'm going to finish shortly. If um, and I, also this, I think, reveals the Father to us. As I said before, it's so hard, so difficult sometimes to understand God. We'll never come to a full understanding, but even understand a teeny bit of God. Jesus reveals the Father to us and will continue to do so. Then God's love for Jesus will be with us and Jesus will be in us. The baptism is the Holy Spirit is needed. It's important. It's essential. We need to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. All the way through scripture, I read, they became Christians and they were baptised. They had a baptism of water, but they also had a baptism of fire. And if, if, so if you're not, haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, ask the Lord. I don't know, there's loads of arguments of evidences of these things. I think that's completely irrelevant. Just ask the Lord to baptize you, give you that power, that extra power that I believe this is what Jesus is talking about. And we do this. So the world will believe us. That power, what Jesus was talking about, he says. So they will. The world will believe the disciples. They believe what they what they're saying. Right. I'll finish. I I will finish it here. This there's a bit here. In fact, I'll read this out. What does it mean? Union, intimacy, closeness. All of these descriptions and more are ours when we seek communion with God. And what we're going to do now. Or whatever you want to call it. this symbolic act. Breaking bread. We used to call it in the Pentecostal church. Holy Communion. Is, is it the Eucharist? The, is that the same thing? or you, Whatever. All, all different names. It doesn't matter. It's we are gathering round the Lord's table to have that intimacy with him. And it is a very, we do it together, but it's also in our hearts. Let's allow... The prayer that Jesus prayed 2,000 years ago to come to fruition in us today, to share the joy and the glory that Jesus obtained for us. That was his and the Father's plan before the world began. God planned it. What we mean for evil, God means for good. God planned the whole thing. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't God making and mending something that was broken. It was God's plan. I cannot understand it, but I believe it. From the beginning of time, this plan was for us. It was planned that we, were, uh, we would be here this morning, that I'd be here this morning, that I'd be filled with a love for Jesus because He's put that love in me. It was God's divine, m- m- amazing plan. And Jesus brought it about. Anyway, I hope that's been of some help. (laughs) Uh, Praise the Lord. And we're going to break bread.